0: Welcome back. We are here with week two of this series, which is called The Return. Uh, I currently, we have started in-person youth again, so if you are here in person, please make some kind of noise. Good. Okay, I wasn't sure if you would. Good job. Uh, It's nice to be back. I hope that you guys are having fun. We'll do an egg hunt later, which if you're live and watching this, I suppose you can play along at home, but I don't have the clues to give you. But each week in The Return, we are talking about uh, just kind of the return of things. We're going to talk a little bit about the return to a sense of normalcy, but we also are talking last week about Jesus coming back. And so his resurrection and how he came back and appeared to Mary Magdalene, who was downtrodden, who people talked about, about who people spread rumors about, who people uh, sipped tea about, spread tea about, whatever that expression is, did all kinds of stuff about her. And, uh, and so um, he still appeared because he didn't care what other people thought of her. He didn't care what other people said about her, he cared about her, about her heart, just like he does for each of us and just how we all have that. Uh, This week we're going to talk about the disciples and after they've started to realize, because if you remember last week John and Peter ran knowing that he wasn't in the tomb and they were feeling that he was back, but still it's kind of a confusing time because they saw him die. And as much as we know the story, as much as we know the resurrection, as much as we've talked about it every single Easter for our lives, when you're there and you see him die, And you see the pain he goes through. It had to be so hard. Even knowing the prophecy, even knowing what he said, it had to be so hard to have that little bit of hope. And it had to be so scary. And so we're going to start with that in John 20, 19 through 31. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. Uh, They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Again, he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. So you have the disciples locked in a room. So Peter and John ran back and they told everybody. And so like, let's have a meeting because that's what people do. They want to have meetings about everything, but it's good that they met together. Now, there are a couple of important things here. A lot of important things, but a couple of important things about the fact they were locked in a room. They were being cautious because the Jewish leaders did want them dead. They wanted this stopped. They thought that Jesus' death would stop it. But now they're just kind of taking extra motives, extra measures. And they want to take care of the disciples. So the disciples are being cautious, but they're not giving up. And that shows us that it's okay to be cautious. It's wise to be cautious. Uh, it's important to be cautious, but then also not give up. To, to do things that are good to help people, but to do things in a wise way, a smart way, a way that doesn't put us in excess danger. That doesn't mean that we're always going to be safe, but it means that we don't just be like, okay, so uh, I really want to, to witness to everybody. And the best way to do that is to hitchhike across the country and talk to everybody. And, and so uh, Luke is like, yeah, I really have this idea that I'm gonna hitchhike and I'm only gonna take shady cars because I really think they need to hear it the most. That's, that's not being a witness necessarily, that's being kind of dumb, no offense. And so it's, it's important, though, to, to be together, to not give up, to witness, to be a witness, like Tim talked about this morning, to do everything we can to be like Jesus, to show people who he is, and that's what the disciples are doing, they're meeting, and they're being cautious, they've locked the doors, but they're together, and they're talking about Jesus. And it probably went a little bit like Peter and John are like, yeah, his body was there, and it was folded, so we're pretty sure he's back. And then maybe a couple of them, Thomas wasn't there, and we'll talk about him in a little bit. Maybe a couple of them were like, are you sure? And they're like, I think so. And it's not that they didn't have faith. They had strong faith, and they gave their lives to him, literally. But again, it's such a scary moment. And so if you've ever seen something good happen, or ever had something good happen, or ever had somebody say something good about you, Uh, It starts out with this amazing feeling. You're like, oh, man, I got an A. Everything's good. Or I got accepted to this college or I got this scholarship or this person said that I'm awesome or whatever. And everything feels really good. But then as you have distance from that, you start to kind of question yourself. You start to kind of doubt yourself. You start you start to kind of wonder. And it's not that you give up. It's not that you lose faith. But the more distance you have from it, the more you're like, am I sure that that that's true? Am I sure that I have this path? Am I sure that I'm good enough? Am I sure? Because we start to question ourselves. And so the disciples in that room were probably a little bit like, are you sure? And again, not being doubtful, but like, are you sure? Is he really back? Can we afford to hope? Can we afford to hope? Because just a few days prior, they had hope when Peter grabbed the sword and it was wrong. But he grabbed the sword. They thought, this is it. This is going to be the start of the kingdom of heaven on earth. And we're going to win and we're going to take down Caesar. And we're going to take down Pilate. and We're going to take down the, the Jewish priests and we're going to just make peace on earth. And he's just like, that's not what we're doing. And so they're like, what do we do? And they ran away. And so they're in this room and the doors are locked. No other way in. And they're like, you know, how do we process this? Will Jesus come to us? Mary said he did to her. And I know that I saw his clothes. And and what do we do? And then Jesus appears. And so it's not that like the door open and they heard a click. And it, like, is somebody coming in? Like, what's happening? It's like he just appears. And so this shows us a bunch of things. It shows that Jesus always shows us himself when we most need to see him. Because that's the moment that they really needed that hope. But it also shows us kind of what resurrection bodies are like. Uh, I'm not going to get super into that, but when we get our resurrection bodies, so after all the end time stuff and after the second coming and and you get your perfect body, uh, it's not going to be subject to the same things that we're subject to now. Like teleportation is okay and things like that. And it's not going to be like right now if everybody's like, hey, you have teleportation powers. You're going to go everywhere and do everything. You're going to Disney World and whatever. Uh, We're also not going to have the corruptness of, of the world on us. So we're not going to be wanting sinful things or whatever. But he shows us, hey, I'm back and this is me. But this is more than you ever could have hoped for because this is legit and this is the next step. And this is the return and this is your chance and so the first thing he says when he comes back is peace be with you. The very first thing that Jesus calls for when he steps in front of people again is peace. And that shows us something that as Christians we should be about. We should be about seeking peace. We should be about having peace. We should be about helping other people have peace. I realize that it's not a very peaceful world. And that hardly anybody else lives that way. And not even every Christian lives that way to where they want peace. Some people thrive on arguments. Some people thrive on drama. Some people thrive on hurting others. And it sucks. But we see what Jesus said. And he could have said so many things when he came back. Like when you guys started to come back. I don't know when school started in person again. But you probably had so many things you wanted to say to your friends. Although you have cell phones and things, so you probably did already. But you know, in person. Or coming back tonight. Or coming back to church. Or going to a dance. Or graduation. Whatever it is that's coming up that's the first time back for You have all these plans and all these things you want to say and all these things you want to do. And so there are all these different things Jesus could have said to the disciples, a lot of important things. He could have said, guys, this is what you need to do or guys, this is what has happened or this is where I am or this is what's going to happen, whatever. And that stuff's important. But he started with peace because they had felt the opposite of that for so long. And they felt scared and they felt worried and they felt nervous and they knew that other people wanted to kill them. And they knew that their headset piece kept falling off their ear and all of these different things kept happening. And Jesus said, peace, because the world's not going to be peaceful, but you can be and you can bring that peace out to them. And that's important. and That's what I'm doing. And he went on to say it again. And then he said, I'm sending you the title for tonight is the replacements. Uh, in the 80s. I believe the NFL had replaced replacement players. There was a strike and real players didn't play. And so they called in replacement players, which just means people that didn't play professional football came in and played. So imagine if, like, the XFL played or whatever. And so they came in and played. And, and because the NFL really wanted that money, they really wanted the games to happen, and so they happened. They weren't as good. The people weren't as good. Uh, the games weren't very good. And, but it was something. Uh, there's a movie with Keanu Reeves called The Replacements, and he played a quarterback from Ohio State, so you've probably heard of it. Because very few quarterbacks from Ohio State do very well past that. But anyway, so anyway, so he played a quarterback. He played a quarterback from Ohio State and he's a replacement player. It's kind of like that NFL thing. And you know, they go through, they win, it's heartwarming, it's la la la. What Jesus is doing is saying, listen, I'm going on to prepare a place. I have done everything for you and with you. I've prepared you. I've taught you. I've helped you. I've healed you. I've shown you how to heal others. I've shown you how to help others. I've shown you what to do. Now you are going to go out in my place. The spirit will be with you and I will be listening to you and I will always love you and I will always be with you. But you're going out and you're going to be the me the world needs right now. And it's not that he's like, I'm never going to answer prayers again because he does. And it's not that he's like, I'm never going to talk to people again, because he does. And the spirit is involved, the Holy Spirit. But he tells them, listen, guys, you were training and you were practicing and you were in the league below. But now you're up. You're going to start and you're going to do everything you can. And he told them that. And then they told their followers that Paul and, 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 and Stephen and, and Barnab- not, yeah Barnabas and all these other people. Uh, Mark, and he told, they told all these people, you know, follow us. And then they told other people, and they told other people. And now it's on us. Now we are the starters. Now we are the ones that go out and say, this is what Jesus looks like. Uh, Tim talked this morning, and I don't know if you were here or not, but he talked about making Jesus known and how it's so important to do it with your life. And it doesn't involve arguing, and it doesn't involve wearing people down. It involves showing people who Jesus is. Showing people his love, showing people the truth, and then talking about it when you build that relationship. And that's what Jesus says here. He's like, have peace. Not everybody's going to listen to you. Not everybody's going to want you. Not everybody's going to like you. But have peace because I will be with you. But now you're going to be with other people and show them who I am and what I've done through you. Next part. So one of the 12 disciples, Thomas, uh, nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. They told him, we have seen the Lord, but he replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands, put my fingers into them and place my hand into the wound in his side. So Thomas is always referred to as doubting Thomas. Uh, In a way that's wrong because it's not that he doubted, it's kind of that he refused to believe until he had proof, which is semantics a little bit. The reason he's called the twin, and I'm going to talk a little bit about why he did this, which doesn't necessarily justify it, but it gives you some insight He's called the twin because he looked a lot like Jesus. Uh, and so people would see him. And sometimes they'd be like, is that Jesus? Oh, no, you know, we're close. It's not Jesus. Uh, and so probably during the days that Jesus was dead, there were people that came up and were like, oh, I saw Jesus. Oh, no, it was Thomas. And then Jesus comes back and Thomas is like, I want to wait and see because people have been wrong in these three days. And I know what the prophecy is, but, but I really want to see Jesus. I really want to see him. I really want to know him. Because I'm tired of people being wrong. I'm tired of people being mistaken. I'm tired of people being confused. I want to know him. I want it to be true. I want to have this hope because he was so scared and he was in shock. Someone because all of the disciples weren't just Jesus followers. They were his closest friends. They were his family. And so if you've lost someone or somebody in your family has lost someone or as friends, you've lost a fellow friend, which I hope not, but you probably have. Each person grieves in different ways. And there are some people that go on with life. There are some people who will lose someone or something and they go back to work the next day. Uh, I remember back when my great-grandma passed. So she had Alzheimer's, and that last Thursday that she was alive, she fell asleep and didn't wake up back up again, but she was alive for those three days. Uh, in my office, I have the picture of Christian Watford hitting the three-pointer to beat number one Kentucky in 2011, the most important game in the history of time. And winning that game, that's because... I have it because good Kentucky lost and IU won. But also, that was the very last game that my great-grandma was alive for. She died the next morning, just hours after that game. Uh, I found out that Sunday morning. So I stayed the night, Saturday night. And, you know, she was unconscious, but I stayed there. And I remember over the course of the night, like, she'd cough or something. And I'd pop up and wonder. And then the next morning, like, her daughter came and... and. Uh, I was like, I, you know, I'm going to go to church. And at the time, I was a youth pastor in Seymour. And I was like, I'm going to go to church. I just I want to be there. And so I went and I got the call about five minutes after I got there and I came back and she passed. And so, you know, we talked about her. I, I hugged her. I cried. I did all these things. And then I went back to church. Uh, there are other people who could not have done that or would not have done that. They would have gone to see someone else. They would have gone home. They would have gone to sleep. They would have handled it in different ways. Uh, There are different times in my life that I've handled grief differently than that. But at that time, I really needed to be at church. I really needed to be doing what I was supposed to do. And there are times that that I think about how I would handle loss now or how I would handle something horrible now. And I don't know. We don't know until it happens. For many of the disciples, uh, for Peter, he handled it not great either. He denied Jesus three times and then ran off and, and just was scared. Some of them ran away, some of them prayed, some of them probably continued talking. Thomas, again, he didn't handle it well either. He handled it by being like, not going to believe it till I see it. I know, that, I know that you guys have never lied to me. I know that you guys are his followers. I know that Mary saw him. I know all of this, but I need to see it myself. And he's not saying you guys are liars. He's not saying I'm, you know, you're evil. He's not saying you're trying to treat me. He just, he had to do it. That's what he needed to move forward. And again, I'm not justifying or unjustifying what he did. I'm just saying this is what happened. And in our lives, there will be times that, that we really feel like we need to see something to believe it. Uh, maybe somebody's like, yeah, hey, that girl likes you, or that guy likes you, or you're going to win that car, or something good, the Bengals will make the playoffs, something outstandingly miraculous that'll never happen. Like it's crazy. And you're like, I need to see it to believe it. I'm going to stop hitting Ohio sports now, sorry. And in those times, you're going to be like, well, you know, I I get that this could happen, I get that these people said it, but I need to see it. But when it comes to our faith, the closer you are to God, the closer you are to Jesus, the closer your relationship with Him, the less you need to feel that way. And this isn't to say Thomas wasn't a good Christian, just in this moment, he screwed up. When you feel God calling you, and he's like, you know, someday you're going to be a missionary or someday you're going to be a teacher or someday you're going to be a pastor. And, and you're like, ah, I just don't know if it's right. Don't be like, I'm going to wait. Be like, okay, what do I have to do if this is right? How can I follow God? How can I get closer to Him? Because the closer you are to Him, the more you will feel the right path. The more you will know where you are going. The more you will know how to treat people. The closer you are to Him, the stronger your relationship with Him is, the more you can handle. And so Thomas is like, Man, I just, I need to feel it. And he's remembered as doubting Thomas. He's remembered as a mistake. He's remembered, and from here, he still did good. He still was a Christian. He still made it to heaven. But he's remembered as this. So do your best to be better than this. Do your best to learn from him, to learn from who's gone before, to take that peace into the world, to take that peace to each person, and to witness, to love, to be like him, to be loved. Next part. Eight days later, the disciples were together again, and this time Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound at my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. My Lord and my God, Thomas exclaimed. Then Jesus told him, you believe because you have seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. So I don't necessarily hit Thomas hard for the first part. Where he's like, I need to do this. Because he's just talking. But then, again, he's in a locked room. And Jesus appears. Which is a miracle. It's not something that can happen. If I lock these doors and black out the, the crow's nest. Like, Terry can't just appear in the middle of the gym. It can't happen. Jesus can. I know. Jesus can. And so, Thomas, who had these doubts. Who had these decisions. Once Jesus appeared. And then, not only appeared out of nowhere. He said, okay, Thomas, touch. Thomas hadn't told Jesus that. None of the other disciples had seen Jesus in, this min- in the meantime. So Jesus just knew Thomas' heart. Now that is where I think Thomas made his mistake, not before. Not in just questioning the disciples. But when Jesus appeared and gave him proof without even giving him proof, he's like, oh, you know my heart, you know my thoughts, you're him. He still went ahead and touched. Now Jesus says, blessed are those who believe without seeing It does not say Thomas was not blessed. It says that it's better to you're going to have a better life. You're going to have a better ministry. You're going to have a better witness. You're going to do better if you can learn to rely on Jesus without all of the proof. To rely on Jesus without touching his hands. But it's never over as long as you're alive. And so Thomas, after this, he didn't say, get out, Thomas. He's like, okay, learn from this, Thomas. And so Thomas did. Thomas did better. Thomas grew. No one in this room is perfect. Uh, Some of you have been going to church for a long time. Some of you have been Christians for a long time. Some of you are new. Some of you are, are still working on it. Whatever. I don't know. Only you know that. But none of us are better than the others, and none of us are worse than the others. Everybody has a different path. Everybody goes that way, but... Again, the closer you are to God, the closer you are to him, the closer that relationship is, the more you realize that path. The more you find that path, the more you feel right on that path. And if you've screwed up, if you've done the wrong thing, if you feel like you've backslid or whatever terminology you want to put on it, you're alive. And as long as there is life, there is hope. So Jesus is never going to be like, you can't ask for forgiveness, sorry. He's never going to be like, hey, you know what? You've messed up too many times. Now, that does not mean go and screw up all the time. And then hopefully before you die, you can ask for forgiveness because that's a dangerous game. What it means is that he will always forgive you when you honestly ask and that there are always second chances. And there is always a chance to turn around and there is always a chance to do better. And there is always a chance to grow your faith. But you have to choose that. Because while Jesus won't turn you away, he also won't make the decision for you. He will make it clear that you should make the decision. He will put people and things in your life that will help you see that. But he will never say, hey, do this right now. Because it's free will, because you have to choose it. But you always have that choice. And honestly, the earlier you make it, the better life is. Because I've talked about this a lot. You've probably heard this a lot. When your identity is built on anything... That thing will go away. So if your identity is built on being an athlete, at some point, you're not going to be an athlete anymore. Now, Hopefully it's not through your injury, but at some point you're going to have to retire. Let's say that you go the farthest. Let's say that that your name is Riley and you want to play soccer. And so let's say you go to college, you do very well, and I believe that's happening, I know it will. And then let's say you go pro. I have no idea if your goals are that, but let's just say you do. And let's say that then you get on the women's World Cup team. And the Olympic team. And you know, you do amazing and you are remembered as the greatest soccer player, female soccer, soccer player period of all time. Well, you still have to retire someday. Because when you're 97, you're not gonna be that great. Uh, Jordan was great, but he can't come into the league right now. He could be better than half of it, but he can't come to the league right now. At some point, whatever you build it on will end. If you want to be a great student, School's not going to last forever. If you want to be, uh, you know, the, the best husband ever, the best wife ever, the best boyfriend ever, the best girlfriend ever, the best son ever, the best daughter ever, whatever. Those things are good goals. The best worker, those things are good goals, but all of those things are time sensitive. Now I hope everybody's lives are super long, but it's all time sensitive and things can happen and they can go away. We can lose people, unfortunately. We can lose jobs. We can lose all kinds of things, but... When it's centered around Jesus, he doesn't go away. He doesn't change. He's perfect forever and he loves you forever. And there's literally nothing you could do that would make him love you less. Sean said this morning that I believe that there's nothing that you can do to make him love you more, which is awesome. But there's also nothing you can do that make him love you less. Now you can sin and you can turn away and that's on you, but he will still love you. And if you come back and you're like, hey. You know what, I was like Thomas and I doubted, but I found my way back. Can I please get back on my path? And he'll say yes. And our job, those of us who are on that path right now, who are doing our best, is to help other people see that, to help other people see the point, to see the purpose, to see that peace. Last part of the scripture. The disciples saw Jesus in many, or do many other miraculous signs in additions to the ones recorded into the book. But these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him you will have life by the power of his name. So that part is really cool to me because it's like John could have kept writing and there could have been all of these sequels and all these extra books and the Bible could be like 6,000 pages longer. Just with Jesus' miracles in those days that he was alive, before his ascension. But John makes it clear. He's like, I can keep telling you proof. I can keep telling you what he did. I can keep telling you what you should do. But at a certain point, you have to just accept it. Jesus can keep saying, have peace, believe in me. But at a certain point, you have to accept that. Now, he will never turn away. But he's making it clear. And at the end of the scripture, it's like, you know, believe in Jesus and, and, and believe that you're following him. From there, the disciples had to take this and do their best. And they did. And from there, again, the next generation had to take it and do their best, and again and again and again. To us, we're not in the same generation. I'm World War II generation, significantly older. And so, but you guys. You're Jesus right now. Now, like I said, I I don't know where each of you are in your faith, and and I hope that you're continuing to grow, but I believe in you. But you're Jesus right now. It's not, I can't wait till I'm 35 and, and a part of the church. You're a part right now. And people see you. And the generations before you have screwed up a lot. And that's not to say your generation won't too, but man, there's a lot of hatred in the world. And the sad thing to me is that a lot of the hatred comes from the Capital C Church sometimes. And that's hard for me. That's discouraging for me. And so that means that I have to try even harder to, to be loving, to be peaceful, to do better. And you guys do too. And it's easy to be like, it would be easy to be like, it just sucks. Everybody, nobody else tries. Why should I? The only answer I can give you is that Jesus is with you. And that you can. And that you can do better than the generation before. And you can do better... Than you've done. And you can do better than me. You are enough. At some point during this. I said none of you are perfect. I'm not perfect. Terry's not perfect. None of us are perfect. Jesus is. Holy Spirit is. And that's with us. And it combines us. And it guides us. And there are going to be times that are super hard. Some of you are seniors, and there are going to be times when you start college that it's super hard, and you're going to wonder if Jesus is there. You're going to wonder what your faith is. You're going to wonder what you should do. But the closer you are with Jesus, the more you'll be able to work through that. The more people you have in your life that you can trust, that will tell you when you're being stupid, that will tell you no, that will tell you what you should hear, not just what you want to hear. Then that'll help you. And then you be that for the other people. Some of you are juniors and sophomores and etc. Down to 7th grade. There are times in this year and in this summer that it'll be hard. It'll be hard because you doubt yourself. It'll be hard because you doubt others. It'll be hard because you lose someone or because you're hurt. It'll be hard because you just don't feel it. But Jesus came back and he didn't say you're always going to feel perfect. He said peace find peace. I will give you peace. Seek me and you will have peace. That's so important. Because nothing else can give you that. And having peace does not mean that everything's going to be feel perfect. It doesn't mean you're never going to be sad. It doesn't mean you're never going to get upset. It doesn't mean that you're always going to win. But it means that you will never lose him. And you will always know you belong and you will always know you have help and you will always know that you can move forward. As long as there is life, there is hope. So be that hope. Be that peace for others. Show them. Show them who Jesus is. Just with how you speak, with how you live, with how you act, with who you are. That's all I got.